Um, welcome to another episode of uh, the Kick and Cover podcast. Um, today we have Sam Larner with us. Um, he is the co-host of the Running the Numbers, the Performance Analyst podcast. Um, he's also a data analysis over there in uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, Coach, how you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I, again, I mean, we just got done with some fun conversations off screen about Top Gear and rugby. We and, did. Yeah. I, I mean, it, and our dreary weather that we're both having. Um, I, I'm yeah. literally looking out, out my window right now, and it's just like, oh, that's dark and depressing. Um, yeah. But, again, back to positive things. Like I said, we had some fun <laughs> with some other stuff. Um, for people who don't know who you are, because you were tagged in my post about anybody that wants to come on and talk, and I think I, Coach Wojtek, I think, is the one who tagged you, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and first, first, before we get into what you're going to talk about, some data analysis stuff, um, wouldn't you mind just uh, giving a quick background about yourself and kind of where you are and kind of the stuff you kind of do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm, a, I'm a rugby analyst, so um, essentially the same job as, as you guys have over there for, for, you know, it's kind of basically taken from, from baseball and, and, and football and just coming to Europe, so... I watch games, uh, identify where uh, the team I work with can do better, um, identify where weaknesses are in the opposition. Some of that is video analysis um, and some of that is data analysis. Um, and so it's all about kind of finding weaknesses that can be exploited by the players that you work with. Um, and then on top of that, I also write um, for uh, magazines and, and websites, again, uh, about the... the uh, looking at this from kind of a, a beginner's, um, uh, either someone who doesn't understand the game or someone who um, wants to watch the game in a slightly more analytical way. Um, so that's my, I guess that's my kind of day to day. Um, and I'm a massive football fan. And as you, you guys probably are aware, there's a lot more uh, easily accessible data in football than there is uh, for rugby, which can be a little bit hard to find. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I guess what, what I've got for you today is is looking at some of the data, deep, a deep dive into some of the data uh, that has been produced about football. Oh, that's fantastic, Coach, because like, like I said, I think you messaged, you commented about like field goal and extra point data modules, and even my buddy commented on that. was like, oh, that'd be interesting. And it, it is. Like, again, da- data, I'm not going to sit here and say rely 100% on data, but data doesn't lie, too, at the same time, and can be a good predictor for you. Um, and give you a good idea with stuff, and you're right. Like, they, there's a lot of accessible data in our sport, and there's also, I mean, yeah. it's it's a growing. How do I want to put this? It, it, it's a growing field in terms of data analysis, not just in our sport, but in all sports. But again, with how much available data is, it's quite useful. Um, so, do you want to kind of get into like? Yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit, so I could at least somewhat understand it. Um, it's kind of yeah. you have you have a data model and correct me if i'm wrong on field goals and extra points based off where you are on the field um kind of and the distance and the probabilities of making it and kind of the plus or minus of what it's actually point cost is worth is that correct yeah exactly so uh, a good way of looking at this i guess from if we went back a little bit is let's say you've got two players uh jim and tom um, and Jim and Tom have both kicked 30 kicks this season, uh, and they've both been successful at all 30, so they're 100% kickers. So you go, okay, well, who am I going to 
either sign up for my team next year or who do I want to try and recruit? Um, and you could say, well, they're both 100% kickers. Let's flip a coin and see who comes out on top and we'll pick them. But if we look a bit deeper, you might see that Jim has is a 100% kicker, but he's only ever kicked from inside 20 yards. Whereas Fred kicks some from inside 20 some from inside, uh, some from the uh, 30 to 40 yards, and some of his kicks are from 50 yards plus. So in this case, they're both still 100% kickers, but the second guy is a much better kicker. Um, you know, he's been more successful on the longer kicks, the ones where you get the, you, the big advantage. Now, if we move that forward, what you can do if you have a large enough data set, and this is based off of uh, 45,000 kicks. So this is the whole uh, 1999 season all the way through to, um, well, week 10 of, of 2020. Um, what you can do is you can work out how successful people have been from each yardage that a kick has been made from. Um, and then you can assign a, uh, a probability to that kick being successful. So just as an example, from 30 yards, the chances of someone making that kick is 91%. Uh, from 40 yards, uh, the percentage is 83%. So we have these numbers that we can use. Um, now, if I say to you, um, you know, 83%, it's a bit kind of, it's a bit abstract. You know, what what is 83% and what does that mean in the, in the real world? So what I've done is I've taken that 83% and I've created an expected points um, outcome. So 83% of, uh, so this is for 40 yards, 83% of, of three points, which obviously is what you get if you were successful, is 2.49 points. So let's just, for argument's sake, let's just call that 2.5 points. So if I'm successful on that kick, I get three points. Um, and then my expected outcome was 2.5 points. So I have gained 0.5 of a point. So I'm now 0.5 points more successful. If I'm unsuccessful on that try, then I've obviously achieved zero points. And so I've lost 2.5 points of expected kicking. You know, what that means is it means we can compare any player who's kicked across from 1999 to, uh, to 2020. Uh, we can compare any single, any game. Um, we can compare things like stadiums, uh, individual seasons, uh, whether grass is better to kick off or turf, whether how much of an impact it is to be kicking indoors versus outdoors. Um, you know, what would happen to Mason Crosby if he, instead of kicking in Lambeau, he was kicking in Forge Fields, for example. So we can do all this comparison just based on having that data set. I mean, that, that, I mean, for some people that might not be interesting, but for like a, a, baseball, a football nerd like me and somebody who's a business teacher, they, I, I like data. Like I like graphs. I like yeah. data. I mean, I, that stuff's interesting to me. And I guess again, I have some several friends who are the same way. I, I, I mean, I have a billion questions off the top of my head. Um, how much do you factor? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how re readily available this statistic, this part of the data is, but how much have you factored like wind and like rain into it? Because I know you mentioned like open door and closed door stadiums, but is that is that data? readily available for that kind of thing. I'm, I'm always curious, like this, this is where I get deep dive into stuff and get curious. Yeah. So that, that data is available, um, including, uh, temperature as well. Um, stuff like clutch or, or not clutch, um, 
the half that it takes place in, even the quarter that it takes place in. So all of this stuff is all available. So I can kind of, I can give you some of that data. So the important thing to remember when listening to these numbers is if you get if you achieve a score of zero, you are the absolute average. So a score of zero is exactly what is expected. Okay. It means that over the whole season, if you score zero, then that is the average. Um, so, for example, um, actually, just before I quickly get into this, so there, there's two more additional stats. They're, they're really straightforward. So uh, this is this won't overcomplicate things, but there is expected points total. So this is the total number of points either gained or lost. Um, so a really high expected points total um, means that you've not only are you very successful, not only are you performing at an, at an ability way above average, but you're also doing that for a really long time. Um, and I can I can come on to that with some players a bit later and kind of show you exactly what that means. Um, but then it's obviously it's a bit difficult to compare uh, a player who's had 100 kicks a season and a player who's had 50 kicks a season yeah. because the 100 kicks player can be worse, but they've just had more time to accumulate those points. So as long as they're performing above average, then they can just keep accumulating those points and keep getting to that that high standard. Um, whereas a 50 kick player, obviously, uh, will never kind of, if, if they're operating at the same level, they'll never get up to where the 100 kick player is. So as a way to kind of just balance stuff out, uh, I've created this 50 kick value. So this is, if everyone had 50 kicks, yeah. what score would they achieve? So it just balances everything out. So for example, if you play indoor, then over 50 kicks, you will gain just over 1.8 points. Okay, so it's not it's not a huge amount. So compared to the average, kicking indoor, you'll gain about 1.8 points. If you kick exclusively outdoor, you lose about 0.7 points. So um, if you compare someone who kicks exclusively indoor to someone who kicks exclusively outdoor, on exactly the same kicks, the indoor kicker will gain roughly a field goal. So they'll gain roughly three points. Okay. So it might be surprisingly low, that number. It's, you know, it's, it's not as big of a difference as perhaps we might think. Um, but then if we look at something like wind, for example, so obviously sometimes you're kicking outdoor in conditions that are pretty similar to the indoor. You know, there's no wind, there's no uh, bad weather. It's, it's pretty good. So if you kick outdoor in the wind, uh, sorry, in, in no wind, so this is 0 to 5 miles an hour, the uh, the expected points gained over 50 kicks is pretty much zero. So it's it's 0. 0.068. Okay. So you'll, over the average, you will gain nothing, really. So if you kicked uh, a thousand times, you would gain two field goals mm -hmm. advantage just by kicking uh, outside compared to the average. But if you go to uh, 16 to 20 miles per hour um, across 50 kicks, compared to the average, you'll lose three points. Ooh. So kicking in bad weather, uh, exactly the same kicks, you'll lose three points compared to the average. Um, you know, and interestingly, uh, and this is uh, kind of, this really stands out, but if we go to 21 miles per hour or more, so these are the really bad days when the, the weather's really bad. Interestingly, you actually gain 1.7 points. And presumably the idea about this is the wings behind you, you're able to make those kind of 55, 60 oh, yard yeah. kicks that you wouldn't attempt. And when the wing's against you, you just don't attempt them. 
So you don't have an opportunity to lose points because you just think, well, I won't attempt it because I'm not going to get it. But it's a, it's a really significant standout because if you play at 16 to 20 miles per hour, you lose three points a season. But if you play exclusively at 21 miles per hour or above, you would gain almost five points compared to that other guy each right. season. So it's quite a big difference. That's, I mean, that's, I mean, the, the 20, I mean, I don't know if that necessarily, the 21 miles an hour super surprise me because kind of your point, like if it's, you're kicking into it, you're not going to kick it. And if you're, I mean, yeah, yeah I'll take advantage of a, of a big gust behind me. But I mean, that, I mean, that's a pretty yeah. sharp drop though for like 16. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, what, I mean, and kind of continuous, what about rain? Like. Because, I, I mean, because, like I said, like we talked before we came on, like, both of us are, like, rainy, crabby climates right now. And, I mean, that's the weather I deal with probably more than anything is just rain. So, like, what is, statistically, like, what does rain do to kicking? Yeah, so, so rain doesn't, doesn't help, as you, as you could imagine. Um, so, um, if you think about some of the rainy places out there, so, for example, Old Candlestick Park, um out of uh 31 i'll say 34 um stadiums which achieve 200 or more kicks um candlestick is 27th so you know a rainy place doesn't do very well um heinz field you know another kind of rainy cold place is 29th out of 34 um you have soldier field sorry out of 35 actually so you have soldier field um, windy, wet, cold is the worst stadium to kick at in football. Um, giant stadium, old giant stadium, uh, is the second worst stadium to kick at uh, in all of football. So, being uh, being outside in the wet, uh, in the cold, is really not a a good combination. Um, wetness, we don't have an exact uh, figure for, but for example, something like uh, coldness, um, kicking anywhere below 60 degrees Fahrenheit and you're losing points compared to the average because it's just, it, you know, it's just too difficult to, to, to kick in those, in those temperatures. Um, and any strong wind, again, as we talked about, you're losing yeah. points again. Why... Why, given the... I mean, obviously, if it was like, like, why 60 degrees? Why is... Do you know why based off your data or why do you assume or why 60 degrees? Yeah. So I, I think, so 60, 41 to 60 is just kind of a, a, um, a, just a way of grouping the data really, but it, it basically from 20 degrees or less, um, your is, is, is bad, yeah. but 21 to 40 is, is even worse. Um, and then that's likely again, like we talked about, in the really bad weather, you're just not attempting those kicks. And so you don't have the opportunity to lose a load of points. Um, it's likely that, so the next one after 60 is 61 to 80. So at that point, you're getting into kind of comfortable, comfortable weather and you're gaining compared to the, um, the expected outcome. Um, so basically kind of temperature, you want it to be, you know, a, a comfortable temperature, um, Ideally, also not on grass. So grass is not a good surface to kick on. Um, kicking on turf 
you'll gain uh, one point compared to uh, the average over 50 kicks. Um, okay. Kicking on grass, you'll lose one point. So right. these aren't massive. They're not massive differences, but they are they are differences. Well, yeah, they're, they're still little tidbits you got to be aware of, especially if you're like a special teams coordinator like I am. Like, oh, I need to be aware of, okay, this is the difference. These are some changes. I'm curiosity because you mentioned kind of like the worst stadiums. What's the best stadium in the NFL to kick at? I'm kind of curious yeah. now. Like, Great question. You, you, so, you've enticed my curiosity at this. Yeah, so the best stadium is uh, NRG Stadium uh, and the Texans. Um, now, the second best stadium, this is really interesting. So, um, actually, before I tell you the second, the third best is Mile High, which is not that surprising. Uh, apart from the fact it's, it's outdoor, which we know is bad. It's glass, which we know is bad. It's often cold, which obviously we know is bad, and it's um, uh, wet and, and you know can can be snowy, which also we know is bad. Um, but of course, the fact it's it's a mile high it may, means yeah, that it's, the altitude it's yeah. very advantageous. Okay, but the second best is actually MetLife Stadium. So again, outdoor turf, which which is beneficial, but yeah. outdoor um, it's surprising that that is as good uh, as good a stadium as it is. Um, typically, the top ones are indoor stadiums. So, Lucas Oil Stadium, obviously in Indianapolis, is the fourth. Um, the Superdome is the fifth, um, and the Cowboy Stadium is the sixth. So, these are the indoor stadiums where there's no weather to to, to talk about, and so performances are are good. Um, also, an interesting part of that. Um, which is probably to be expected, but the difference might not be, is that basically any stadium built after 2011 um, is going to be good because kicking has improved hugely from yeah. 1999. Um, so the average, the 50 kick value in 1999 was minus four. So compared to the average across all the 21 years of this data, um, the average kicker, in 1999, the average kicker was four points a season worse than that. Um, now, in 2020, uh, the average kicker is four points better than that. Okay. So there's, there's been an eight-point swing uh, between 1999 and 2020. Okay. And in fact, uh, 2020 is the best year for kickers uh, that we've seen. Interesting. That's kind of, it kind of surprises me given the time off that they had. and like, yeah. I mean, well, because like the potential muscle... I mean, I don't know how... Re- well, every kicker and AFL player took care of themselves, but you're talking, if you didn't exercise properly or didn't have access to it, you're talking about muscle deterioration, bone density deterioration. So that's kind of, that kind of does, in less time, that kind of surprises me overall. Um, I do have to go back to best stadiums to kick out real quick because as a Cincinnati Bengals fan, I do have to ask where Paul Brown Stadium falls on that list. So Paul Brown is almost exactly halfway. Okay. So... They're not, they're, not, the, they're not last in something. I'm happy. You're... Yeah, you know, you're, you're, um, <laughs> you're slightly below average. So it's 0.006 okay. uh, points lost uh, for 50 kicks. So it's, it's bang average. Interestingly, though, um, so there's a, there's a metric we can use to see what the impact of, of fans is on clutch kicking. So, okay. um, we can, so we can take all clutch kicks. So these are... 30 seconds before the first half and two minutes before the second half and any timing overtime. So those are the, the set of clutch kicks. 
And what we can do is we can compare how well away kickers do normally versus how well away kickers do in clutch situations. You're about to give me um, bad news, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Okay, so, that's, that's what I thought. <laughs> so Paul Bounce Jajum is the, as we talked about, is the 17th um, uh, worst or best, whichever way you want to look at uh, stadium for kickers. Actually, 17th best, but it's pretty much mid-pack. But it's the 8th best uh, in clutch situations. So you guys don't make much noise to put off the away kickers. Well, because... half the time the stadium's half empty. So, yes. I mean, I mean I've been a Bengals fan for 29 years. I've not seen one playoff win. I and the past several years have been almost identical to the 90s all over again. Like I I had I had about a 10 year stretch where it was good and at least competitive and then it's just yeah, I'm I'm having flashbacks and when your quarterback's knee gets destroyed last week, it's depressing. Um, yes. So. Yeah, it, it's, it's not good news. I mean, you guys, um, your your 50 kick value for away kickers normally is zero, pretty much. Yeah. So you are, you're an average, completely average stadium. So yeah. away kickers perform exactly as expected. When they have clutch kicks, the um, 50 kick value is 4.2, which means that they gain 4.2 points across a 50-kick season right. compared to the average, which is unheard of in clutch situations. Clutch situations are significantly harder than non-clutch situations. Not in Cincinnati, they're not. <laughs> yeah. Like... Although, the good news is oh. um, is that you're not the worst. You're not the worst. So, Who's uh, the worst? There's, well, there's, there's seven above you. So, oh, Ford Field, uh, Ford Field is the best place to kick if you are an away kicker in a clutch situation. I bet Lions fans, are, any Lions fans that listen to this are going to love to hear that statistic. That Oh, <laughs> you, you mean a clutch situation, we're up by two, and they're about to kick a field goal? Well, the data says you're about to lose. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Now, I, I, no. I, I have to ask, have you... I mean, obviously, you've done the NFL. Have you tried to extrapolate any of this to college at all, or... Yeah, Great question. So, yes. So, the problem with college is there's just not the same level of data available. But what we can do is we can make an approximation. So, in the NFL, with the data we have available, we know exactly the yardage that everyone's kicking from. And so, I can tell you, we can go into this later, but I I can tell you exactly what any player in the NFL has achieved over their season on the game or whatever it is. In college, this is harder because we just don't have that data. So instead, what we do is we split the data into the kind of the college football stats. So 0 to 19 yards, 20 to 29, 30 to 39, 40 to 49, et cetera. Okay. And then we do um, an average of that. Now, what that means, um, so for the current year, um, there's been some really interesting performances. Now, some of these guys are, um, are kind of performing way ahead of even NFL performances. But it should be said that the sample size is very small. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, Charles Campbell is currently top. Um, his 50 kick value uh, is 32 points, Ooh. which means if you took an average player and put him there, he would earn you just shy of 11 field goals extra and, on exactly the same. where does Charles Campbell kick at? Uh, he kicks at, 
I'm not going to pretend to know called. Uh, Indiana. He kicks at Indiana University. Oh, don't tell um, me that. I, God, yeah. Our O-line coach is an Indiana alum. God. I give him so well, much but, crap about it, too. Like, so now I'm now I'm going to have to set, tell him, ah, uh, crap. But I should say, you can, you can have a big caveat here, which is Charles has only kicked six kicks. So there is a still, huge amount of time for that to go up or down. But still, like, um, I mean. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, good for him. In all seriousness, and, and they yeah. are having a good good year. They're they're they have a very good coaching staff, and I mean, they, they, it is impressive what they're doing there. But oh god, yeah. So I don't have any great news um, for from a kind of Ohio perspective, but the best guy who I would kind of start considering um, and kind of actually looking into is, um, and this is going to be a game I might struggle with, but it's Jose uh, Bolagales from at Miami. Oh, yeah. Um, so he's kicked 14 kicks, which is it's still a little bit low to make any solid predictions, but we're getting to the point where we can start to be a bit more confident about what we're okay. saying. Um, and he has gained, uh, he, well, over the 50-kick season, we expect him to gain 15 points. So uh, we expect him to be five field goals better than the average player, um, so you know that's a that's a really that's looking really good. Um, just to give you some some perspective, I won't go into this too much um, now, just because I think uh, yeah we can we can jump onto this whenever. But um, the best ever season by a kicker since nineteen ninety nine, and given what we know about how date how the kicking has progressed since nineteen ninety nine, probably the best uh, season by a kicker of all time. Um, was uh, Justin Tucker in 2016, where he gained, uh, if we, well, he gained in total uh, 28.6 points compared to the average, but over 50 kick season, 21.6 points. Oh, so yeah. that's the benchmark of absolute elite. Um, so Bolagales uh, is on track to to gaining a 50 kick uh, value, just 15 points. So it's not quite as good as. Took a season there, but it's so pretty it's, good it's season. Up yeah. There. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's another one to look at, and also we, we were talking about San Antonio earlier, uh, home to du, Duplessis at uh, um, University of Texas San Antonio uh, is also looking good. So he's kicked sixteen. Uh, uh, he's had sixteen kicks, and he's on track for the um, uh, ten point four right. fifty kick value. So um, Bolagales Duplessis. Um, those guys are looking, you know, potentially draftable in the in the, awesome. in the lower lands. Um, what is interesting though is uh, so someone like Roberto Aguayo, um, who obviously had all that stories about because he was drafted so highly in the second round in yeah. 2016, was it? I think. Um, so he was known as being incredibly accurate, yeah. and he wasn't. He, you know, he was incredibly accurate, and. Um, his performances in the NFL were were below what we would expect yeah. him to be, but um, his drafting by Tampa Bay was based on a, a fundamental misunderstanding about um, about expected points. Yeah. So, and this is kind. Of, I guess this is kind of the you know to use a cliche like the money ball part of this <laughs> is <laughs> to uh, for for them. 
for what Tampa Bay saw, and obviously I don't know, but I'm, I'm assuming that this is what they saw, is they saw someone being really accurate, and he was kind of in the 90s in his kick percentage, and they went, okay, he is going to provide us uh, a huge amount of additional value compared to what we could get from a second-hand pick. Um, but if you put his numbers into into the formula, kind of work out what he, what he is, he came out around about four points um, over the 50-kick value uh, expected points gained. Yeah. And what that means is that is fine. You know, it's decent. It's someone that you would want on your team, but you certainly wouldn't give up a second-hand pick for them. You probably wouldn't give up any draft pick for them. Um, and the reason why is because there are a huge amount of people floating around at 40, um, four uh, points per season expected value. So, for example, this season, uh, in 2020, um, Ryan Suckup, Carlson, Cody Parkey, Chris Boswell, Paolo Santos... Robbie Gold, Will Lutz, uh, Greg Zerline, Langy Bullock, Koo, uh, Crosby, Myers, Tucker, Sanders, Gingo, McManus, all are operating at a higher level okay. than four points per season. Um, so, so essentially, coming, coming out of college, he was projected essentially to be, based off your data, a middle of the road, if not lower, kicker. Based off the data that you had extrapolated off where he had played, his kicks, and where from. Okay. No, exactly. that, 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 so, that, see, that's see, that's that's interesting stuff right there. Is just okay. You can project kind of like a Moneyball philosophy, and money and Moneyball is actually one of my favorite movies. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna pretend to be a great reader by any means. That's not, I'm not gonna sit here and do that. That's for people much smarter than me. Yeah. I, I'm not saying I don't read, but <laughs> again, that that I, it's a lot more complex than I need to go with right now. Um, yeah, but that's a very interesting thing that obviously. Maybe the research wasn't done to that level. Again, it's kind of like we talked. We talked. I think we talked about you know, at the beginning of this or before we came on. I can't remember at this point. Is there's a balance between looking at the data and kind of knowing your gut and what you're visually seeing. Um, you need to yeah. find that balance. And obviously, they relied maybe too much. And I, I don't know. I wasn't part of the draft process. Neither were you. Maybe they relied too much on the visual yeah. and maybe just a oh. Here's the ESPN stat sheet. He's 47 or 48, but maybe there wasn't that deep dive into where those kicks were from, whether they were on turf, not on turf, went like. So there's a kind of an interesting yeah. little statistic going into maybe how to better look at kickers in general. Exactly. So his stats, I've got them up here. So from 39 um, and closer, he was perfect. Um, now that is hard. You know, there's very few people who are perfect from 39 yards and closer. Um, but from from 40 yards and above, he was uh, what's this? 27 and 32, which is also good. You know, we yeah. we we spoke about how he's not rubbish. Like he wasn't a, he wasn't yeah. a, 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 an awful choice for Tampa Bay to pick up. He was in the second round, but he wasn't an awful choice. But the problem is, is if you want to find someone who is either perfect or virtually perfect from 39 yards and closer, there are a lot of people out there um, who would fulfill that role. Um, and or, or even if you're saying, well, actually, you know, Aguayo is better, but we have to get, we, we, do we want to give up a second round pick for him? Or do we want to pick someone off the free agency who is essentially the same 
you know, the same kicker. There's a bunch of guys out there that that would have done the same job. Um, yeah. And I think this is what teams, and I'm sure many of them do understand this now, but I think it's what teams need to get their head bound is that if you're going to draft a, a kicker that high, and I'm definitely not against kickers getting drafted. Like, I, you know, I, I want to see special teams players who make a big difference and we can kind of see that they make a big difference. I want to see them getting, getting the awarded. But if you're going to put a second-round pick on a kicker, that kicker has to be basically Justin Tucker. Yeah, but they... <laughs> yeah. If you're, yeah. If yeah. you're putting on anybody else, then you're not really getting that value. Um, and, for example, Aguayo, when he did play, his one season when he played he lost seven points compared to the average. Um, okay. And this was in 2016. So instead of comparing it to naught, we should probably compare it to about 1.5 just because of how kickings improved. So he lost about three field goals uh, compared to the average player. So, okay. um, yeah, if you have 50 kicks, um, then player A, Mr. Average, would kick, um, you know, at a certain level. And Aguayo would be... Nine, nine, nine points worse. Okay. No, that, yeah. I, that's so, so for for example, someone who um, who Tampa Bay could have picked up, who then didn't appear the next season, um, was who be the example here? Um, so I guess um, I don't think Mike Nugent got another. Oh no, Mike Mike Nugent got another go. Um, he might be a... Well, a there's boy. another uh, second-round pick for you, Mike Nugent, who did get drafted in the second round. And... Yeah, um, he's an interesting He's an interesting case, actually. Um, I'll come on to him one second. Uh, I'm trying to find a, a good guy. This might not be the best. List. Anyway, there are people who played in 2015 who didn't play in 2016 who would be an improvement on, yeah. on Aguayo. Um, but Mike Nugent, interesting you say, so we can... We can look at kind of the best players of all time, um, and we can compare them either by um, total expected points. So this is just the big total. So if you're if you're familiar at all with with, or if any of your listeners are familiar with WAR in baseball, then this is essentially that for kickers. It's what is the total value that they've accumulated over their careers, um, and. To give you an example of number one, that is Justin Tucker, uh, 131 points he's acquired in his career. Um, and we can look at him in a bit more detail because he's he's fascinating. And it's it's disappointing when I looked at this date that I was expecting to find something amazing. But what you find is that Justin Tucker is the best kicker in yeah. football by a long way, which is what everyone kind of knew. Um, but Mike Nugent, as you're saying, of a second-hand pick, he actually lost 21 points over his career so compared to the average he was 21 points worse across 718 kicks um so he was a across 50 kicks he was a minus 1.5 point oh, yeah. player so he lost about half a field goal over 50 kicks yeah. um so he wasn't he wasn't a great second round pick in terms of productivity um in fact maybe there's something here about don't draft a kicker in the second round. It feels like it's it's not something that works. Theoretically, but I, I mean, I also remember. I mean, I remember because I again, he was an Ohio State alumni um, who kicked very yeah. well in college. Again, but again, that could be just uh, deceiving. He spent like three, like th- three of his first four years at the Jets. I remember he was hurt half the time. 
like either had a groin pull or was dealing with something. So, I mean, obviously that's going to factor into your kicking ability. Um, yes. Injuries. So. Yeah. Also, another thing is bookies tend to kick worse than veterans. Uh, and veterans can tend to kick worse than super veterans. So this is anyone who's played 10 years or more. Um, so uh, that was another factor that perhaps should have come into Tampa Bay's um, calculations is that Aguayo was not only going to be about average, according to the stats, but he was also going to be a little bit below that when he came into the league um, because he's he's a bookie. They kick worse generally, and they also kick worse in clutch situations, okay. which is what we think, um, but it is, is also showing in the data. Okay. Um, I, I, how, I mean, we talked a little bit about, about currently who, who, who are like the top three kickers kicking this year so far? Just out of curiosity, because I'm just I'm yeah. a curious human being. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so this year there is um, actually. Uh, how about uh, I'll f- how about you guess who the top three are, and I'll tell you if you. Oh if you go God, right. you're gonna make me guess kickers. Oh, give me one second. I got. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm gonna get. I I I'm gonna try to cheat a little bit here and be like, um, I'm gonna hope because he's on my fantasy team. Um, Harrison Butker for the Chiefs is on somewhere in that top three. Yeah, sadly he's on my fantasy team as well. He is. Uh, he's not. He's um, he's quite a way down. So he's slotted between Dan Bailey and uh, Fairbang. Um, in, uh, what about Zane Gonzalez for Arizona? Zane Gonzalez a little better. So he's he's about mid pack. He um, okay. Yeah, his fifty kick value is two point five. Well, and then, so then it's about average for twenty twenty. And then my third get, my third and final guess will be my matchup for the week, just because why not? Um, Dan yeah. Bailey for the Vikings. Yeah, so Dan Bailey is uh, he is actually project, projected to be a little bit better than Butker. So hopefully you don't lose that one. But um, yeah, Bailey is uh, on uh, two points gained fifty kicks this season. And Butker is on one point seven, um, but the top three, and this is interesting because the top three are the, um, well, actually the top two. Sorry, uh, they're on track to be the best kicking performances since twenty sixteen, uh, and Justin Tucker, who was the best of all time. Um, so they are uh, Bungie McManus um, with uh, seventeen points uh, gained for fifty kick value, um, Graham Gano with 16.2 uh, for 50 kicks. And then um, uh, Sanders, is that Jason Sanders? Uh, or Justin Sanders? I want to say Justin, off the top of my head. Yeah, Justin Sanders. Um, so he is uh, he is on um, 14 points uh, for 50 kicks, which is, that would still place him um, as the best kicker since 2016 so actually all three of them are putting in the best performances since 2016 um, and a big part of that is that there is a um an away factor so kicking away is harder than kicking at home uh, and there's about a um a one field goal swing in plus 50 kicks okay um if you only kicked at home you'd be one field goal better than kicking away and that difference is completely disappearing in 2020 and that is because obviously there's no fan noise, or there's very little fan noise. I know some of the stadiums have fans in, um, and so there's no one being put off. Um, and so everyone who kicks at home kicks 
you know, basically the same as they did before. And everyone kicks who kicks away suddenly gets this benefit of not having to kick away and not having that kind of um, problematic uh, fine noise and kind of pressure. Okay. So pretty much what you're saying is if, if you were ever in doubt about kicking field goals, kick them this year. Okay. That's, that's... <laughs> yes. Kick them this year. Um, although on the, on the flip side of that, um, uh, he had a little bit of a better performance last week, which took him up. But Stephen Goskowski is uh, putting in the worst season. Um, well, his worst season. Um, I didn't finish early. Last year, his season was worse. Um, but Goskowski could match it. Depends how he does for the next, uh, the rest of the season. But um, he is currently losing 10 points okay. compared to the average. Uh, now, so if you... Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, if you had McManus and you had Goskowski, um, the gap between those two is 26 points. Okay. So you are pretty much, um, what's that, nine nine field goals difference yeah. between McManus and Goskowski. So that's a pretty hefty, hefty margin. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I do have to ask this question as, as we start teetering down here. Um, yeah. What is... I don't know if you have the date on this for extra points. Um, how big of a difference was it removing it from the moving the extra point back? Yeah, um, it, it was a difference. So um, it went from being a ninety-eight point nine percent chance uh, to being a ninety-four point one percent chance. Okay. So it's not massive. Like it, it's not huge. You would basically expect. Um, so I guess what what there'd be probably maybe fifty field goals a season. Um, previously, if you had fifty field goals in a season, you would miss one. Now you'll miss two. Right. Uh, sorry, fifty extra points. If you had fifty extra extra points uh, back when it was at the twenty yard line, you'd miss one. Now you've missed two. So it, it's not changed much. Um, Essentially, if they missed two fire. Okay, that's what I heard. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, like as we kind of wrap up here is. Obviously, you can use this data to project whether you maybe should or shouldn't kick from these certain parts of the field, especially with this kicker, kicker XYZ. Um, you can use it to analyze potential draft picks and signings, obviously. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that I am missing? Because like I said, I don't pretend to be smart by any means or data analyst um, that you could use this data for outside of maybe those two things. Yeah, so I think the um, you talked about the drafting. I think the other thing that you can do is is obviously if you don't want to draft but you want to pick up someone, you can see um, how good your current guy's performance is and see someone else who's going to be maybe free agent. The the thing that we that we see consistently is that teams are not very good. Actually, teams and the media are not very good at knowing if players are doing are doing well or not. So it was interesting. And I, you know, I apologize for putting you on the on the spot, but when you when anyone's asked to name the good kickers, there's um, th- there's kind of like people assume that one kicker is doing really well, or or and they're actually not, or doing really poorly, but actually they're not. So um, Tyler Bass, for example, that game where um, uh, Kyler Murray won with the field with the um, last second tail Murray. Um, he was uh, Tyler Bass put in the fourth best uh, game of anyone um, in the well since nineteen ninety nine again probably the history of football um, 
So if you watch that game where he kicked, you know, uh, a couple of extra points, a 30 yarder, a 57, a 58, I think, a 257 or 58, I think it was, yeah. or whatever, whatever the, the yardage was, um, you would look at him and go, he is a brilliant player. But actually, that single game took him from being quite a long way below average to about average. Um, and so, but as, 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 as a media or as kind of uh, watchers, we could easily watch that performance and go, well, clearly he's brilliant. And yeah. so if you're Buffalo Bills um, uh, front of house or you know, kind of, um, front office staff um, and you see that performance, you might be rushing to ink him to a, a new contract because you might be thinking he's bullying. And maybe he will be bullying. Like we talked about, rookie performances is, are, are the weakest of a player's career. But um, what you need to do is, is actually look at what his performance actually is. And his performance at the moment is someone that you might actually want to upgrade. Um, now, I don't think the Bills would do that because obviously he's showing signs of improvement and he had a rough couple of games and he's had a really good game. And so, yeah, think, things can go up from that point. Um, but I think what the data does and what the data helps with is showing um, where the certain player yeah. actually is performing. The other thing I'd say is if you're the, um, obviously, as I know, you are a special teams coach, but also if you're the, you're the kind of a junior kicker um, or, the, or the young guy trying to kick, then what the data can, can tell you is what is your performance like and, and what is the expected outcome from that point of view? Um, because if you're, if you're stood there um, and you're, you're absolutely automatic from 29 yards and below, that's fantastic, but what I would say is, so is everyone in the NFL nowadays. You know, from kind of twenty eighteen onwards, no one really misses those kicks. Um, it, it's pretty much automatic. So, if you're going to be a, if you're kind of, if you are getting to college, um, and presumably this is going to trickle down college, um, and you then want to get into the NFL, what I would say is that in terms of what what matters, in terms of what's important. The things that really matter are 50 yards plus um, and being automatic from uh, 50 yards and near that. Um, and I know that sounds like basically saying the way, to be, uh, the way to be the best kicker is to be the best kicker. But it is crucial to know that the way football is changing is it used to be that 19 yards and below was automatic. And that's still true. But now it's also true that 29 yards and below is automatic. Plus, we're getting to the point where 39 yards and below if you're missing them, then you're pretty much out the door. Yeah. Um, and so that is being kind of the stratospheric um, a launch of of kicking ability. So I would say that if I were the if I were the young kicker, I'd be kind of looking at the Yale and going, okay, I see what I need to do, which is just be practice on those on those long kicks where my my value kind of uh, starts to be shown. Okay. No, no, that's fantastic. And I think that's a good spot to end this. Um, yeah. And kind of as we wrap up here, again, um, S- Sam Larner's information will be in the bio. His t- I'll have his Twitter bio. Uh, we will also have his link to his podcast. Again, uh, he is the co-host of Running the Numbers, a performance analyst podcast. Um, you have something like – because I skimmed some of it. Um, you have like, what, 18 episodes or something already? Is that right? Um, yeah, so – 
we did we're coming back actually for the for first series so um you know life happens and and you you yeah. knock stuff on the head but yeah we've we've spoken to some really good good people we actually spoke with uh let me try and i'm going forget his name uh which is about this but uh ex denver blancos um wide receiver who now is a college uh color analyst um, oh, um i should know this too whether I know what is whether I can actually remember. Um, and this is where I, I cut this part out and we just go straight to the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> straight to the actual game. Yeah. Beautiful, um, beautiful yeah, editing. I, oh god. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I I um hang on, I think I've got it here. Um okay, so uh we spoke with David Anderson. David Anderson. Um, who was with the Broncos for six years? Actually, sorry, you know, with the Texans. My apologies, with the Texans for almost his whole six-year career. Um, okay. Played wide receiver. Uh, he was really fascinating. He was he was great guy to speak to. But the rest of them, as I'm sure most of your, most of your audience are in the US, most of them are probably a, a little bit too Europe-centric and kind of yeah. a bit focused too much on uh, you, you never, on, on the spots. That we you went. never know. Like I said, we talked before we, you you came on about. One, my random love for Top Gear and anything involving that. Yeah. And then two, like how my family's big Netherlands supporters during World yes. of, like World Cup and the Olympics because of our family background. So you you never know. You might have somebody like that. Like um, yeah. I, I know some coaches because of this pandemic have gotten really big into uh, Formula One and um, yeah, just in just in just actual racing, not NASCAR. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and uh, because I mean, because it was on, and um, so yeah, I mean, again, I appreciate. Yeah. Um, so if anybody's interested, um, his Twitter's in the bio. If you want to reach out to him more about some of his data, um, you can also yeah, check out do. yeah check out his podcast. The link will be in the description. Um, that again, he has David Anderson coming on, a former uh, NFL receiver. Um, and again, if there's anything else you're kind of interested in checking, out, I think I mean. He's got a lot of rugby stuff as well. Um, yeah. So, again, again, I appreciate it. And this was another episode of the uh, Kick and Cover podcast.